passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 20 of the Eggshells Podcast Companion. This is an audible companion to Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, a book that goes into deep detail on every single wrestling event that's ever been held in Japan's most famous stadium. My name's Chris Charlton and in this podcast we take a look at a different year of Tokyo Dome history with a different guest each time. This time my guest is Mr. Waiting as we look at the year 2008. Way. Hey. How are you doing? Um, tired. And, mm. you know, this is, uh, you know, I, we should have like this, this thing of, well, the last time we spoke, it was all the way back in <laughs> 1995. And uh, my, look at how we've grown. But the truth is, listeners, that uh, we have fallen foul to what, like Asimov's fourth law of podcasting, which is you, you can't you can never have a podcast series that doesn't fuck up like at least once. Right. <laughs> so, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, no, this is the second time we are recording this one, unfortunately, but, uh, it's, you know, technology, I think as great as it is, it's imperfect. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately sometimes we don't find out about those imperfections until it's too late. <laughs> yes. Right. So this is, yeah, that was the thing. Everything, me recording things in uh, in advance has left me with too much of the luxury of time. So like, mm-hmm. I, you know, whereas on a, on a sort of tight weekly schedule, it's like, oh, we've got to get this edited right away. With me, it was like, oh, I'll edit it. I can get around to it like next week or whatever. And then when I went in and checked my hard drive, it was like, oh, there wasn't, there isn't an episode there. I mean, I, I reached out to Wayne. I was like, did you by any chance have a backup? And it was like, yeah, I just deleted it last night or whatever. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Well, you know what? This show, I have a feeling, is going to be even better. Even Maybe better than the last one. Way it's, better. <laughs> there you are. I mean, it's it's good actually because um, yeah, we we left it like two or three weeks to be recorded. Mm-hmm. I think like that's for the better because like I can't really remember what we talked about. So yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's all it's all good. It feels like doing everything all over, brand new again. Um, so yeah, 2008, Wayne, what were you doing? This was, uh, this was about 10 years ago. What, what were you up to 10 years ago? Uh, I was, uh, uh, it, I would, I think I was a year, uh, out of, um, university. I think I was, uh, in, in the midst of a career in broadcasting, working at the fight network, actually producing a number of, uh, English commentary versions of pro wrestling Noah, um, with more Ronaldo and Dan Lebransky. So kind of, uh, kind of somewhat rooted into Japanese professional wrestling, although we were doing shows, I think from 2005. So maybe three year old shows. Was that, I mean, um, that stuff, I mean, going back to shows that, that were three years old, were you, mm-hmm. 
how much of that were you were you scripting that stuff beforehand a little bit or or like was it all completely off the cuff with with Murr and, and Dan? honestly it was all off the cuff and i remember even at the time trying to find notes on like storyline and really my one of my resources was wh uh who like would tell me at the time i think like, it's not all that heavy on story you know like you kind of what you see is what you get so uh most of it was really just left to them i would just do my research on like finishing moves any important storylines big storylines i would i would kind of bring up to, to the guys but for the most part it was just like calling the matches and that's when like especially with moro like i really got a sense of like wow like how good this guy is calling this mm. t- type of type of stuff yeah yeah and and to do it organically for for something that's 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 in the in the the book so to speak it, um, i can only imagine how difficult it is because you know i've i've written some scripts and and wraparounds and and done research for for some of the archival stuff on on new japan world and like that is mm-hmm. that is a um that's really interesting to do but like that's all with the point of view of like of knowing that it's archival so it's kind of like here's the introduction and here's why this happened and oh, right. here's, here's this bit that you won't understand so let's let's explain it um, so so when they call the matches do you do they call it as if it had already happened or or are they trying to call it live um it's yeah it's it's kind of it's as if you know it, it's all done from the point of view of of today um but right. it's not right. all um not all of them are like play-by-play commentary it's it's more like the the point of view is like here's why this happened so there's like a top and a tail and maybe a little bit in the middle of like if there's some you know some interference or something or you won't know who pops up or something we'll, we'll right. explain right. something in the middle and then the rest of it is the original audio um, yeah. So that's kind of the best of both worlds, I think, was the, was the approach that they're going for there anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely it's a, it's a really, really interesting, <laughs> interesting task to, to approach. And, um, you know, it's something that I guess Jim Ross and Josh Barnett have to do all the time as well. They're being like, tricky. Anyway, yes. So uh, were you watching much you were were you watching much like contemporary Japanese uh, wrestling at the time or was it all just the, the Noah stuff and the Noah heyday? Yeah, I really wasn't uh, to be quite honest. I think I was uh, still following a lot of North American stuff at the time, WWE, but not so much what was going on uh, certainly in Japan with, with regards to, well, I suppose this TNA show. You know, I was following at, at the time, but uh, really not not following contemporary New Japan or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, were you following the contemporary Japanese pop charts? Well, that I certainly was not, but I'm always. This is my favorite part of the show is <laughs> is whenever you you bring up the the current hits of of the time. So, yeah. uh, please let me know. The current hit of the time was Arashi um, with uh, Kazuno Makoe. Love that one. Love it. <laughs> yeah, just, just brilliant, brilliant stuff from Manashi there. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah. I think it was it was a boy band of some description. Yeah, I was living in Japan still then at the time and um, not familiar. So 
so was there i mean i guess i guess like um boy bands girl bands have always been a, a big thing in japan but like was there a specific boom period uh for for all that stuff um Mm, I guess probably like the, through the nineties, I suppose, and then into the early so they, like SMAP. SMAP was like huge for a really really long time, and then they just retired because they were just too old at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, because like the idea was you know cross media darlings, like you know the mm. idea you you don't just sing but you act and you know and and that's what like SMAP were they were like terrible terrible like recording artists but like they they could do comedy and um you know acting and yeah. cooking shows and that kind of thing so it's it's very much like that i think across asia like in hong kong um mm. all the actors are are like they all have records they they all have to be know how to dance and i'm yep. just amazed like that these poor people not only do they have to you know be good at one thing they have to you know, basically master everything yeah yeah that's it that's it and so it's a tough life it's a tough life and we'll get into sure. the next the next couple of episodes as like akb 48 sort of takes over in in japan and mm-hmm. uh, you know then you get crossover with with wrestling with um during um so yeah you can listen you can look forward to those couple of episodes coming up um but uh yes so 2008 and wrestle kingdom 2 uh from the tokyo dome uh in 2008 and the last few years of new japan in the tokyo dome we've seen a lot of um crossovers um and things that are kind of out of the the normal flow of of new japan shows in the normal timeline uh, to present kind of special feature attractions where um you know there's there's been a need to collaborate because business has been kind of pretty slow you know so it's it's very difficult to sort of fill something um or to generate enough interest in in a venue the size of the tokyo dome uh with new japan on its own is the idea anyway um so you know and it's also a thing as as spreading the budget because it was these were very expensive shows to run so 2006 you had new japan collaborating with a bunch of different independent promotions 2007 it was new japan versus all japan and in 2008 we had new japan versus tna uh now you might not have been watching contemporary new japan but uh were you watching a lot of tna back at the time in 2008 yes that i was i believe uh i was probably around this period doing a review weekly with with uh, john pollock called review and impact and uh uh you know for me this was uh, from what I gather, like it's still a time when TNA was kind of riding on a positive wave of growth as a potential competitor to the WWE. This was before the Bischoff Hogan run. I feel like this was a time when, you know, uh, you, you still had a decent to good main event scene with the likes of people like Christian Sting, Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, Samoa Joe, and a legit main eventer in Kurt Angle who debuted for TNA just some 14 months prior to this show. Mm, yeah, so it's yeah, it's interesting you brought up Sting because, like, in kind of this this era of you know, really the next three Wrestle Kingdom shows, um, Sting doesn't show up. But you know, I mean, Sting had a history with New Japan um, mm-hmm. at that time. It, it's yeah, that like thinking back on it, I was like, I wonder why we didn't get Sting on those shows because, like, though I think that would have been a a big kind of attraction, especially with like the potential to to put him with with maybe Great Muta again. 
Yeah, I do wonder exactly. It seemed like they had a specific crop of people that they'd want to uh, bring over, and I'm 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 curious to maybe know why Sting was uh, incapacitated, or at least uh, didn't go to Japan at the time. Yeah. Well, uh, people that did go to Japan uh, in the first match we're looking at here were were AJ Styles, uh, along with Christian Cage and uh, P.T. Williams. And this sort of six-man was was something that I wanted to choose here um, because it was like the TNA stars versus the people of Rise, which was uh, Mm -hmm. Shinsuke Nakamura's uh, pre-Chaos stable. Um, And this was the one and only meeting of AJ Styles and and one Prince Devitt, who you know now as as Finn Balor in in WWE, the one single time that they met in the New Japan ring um, was this throwaway kind of six man, and it's mm-hmm. so frustrating to watch this with with a what if kind of uh, thought in mind. Definitely, yeah, these two. But you know, I'll say watching this match, they were certainly the standouts uh, by far, in my opinion. I mean. Uh, great athleticism, great technique, and everything that they were doing. Um, to me, like I, I would love to see this match again uh, uh, in in a New Japan ring at some point. Yeah, yeah, and it is. I mean, there's so much of like, oh, nearly with with uh, with Devitt. Um, you know, just in the the perfect timing of like Devitt left on the same night that AJ Styles debuted as well. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> wow. Um, well, they'd have to wait until uh, I forget what pay per view it was. I think it might have been like uh, something like a SummerSlam or something when when these two actually did have a match. Wasn't it? Was this not the one? And like, it, I may be wrong because I literally only know about WWE Jeez. because of you and John Bullock. But like, mm-hmm. was, was was this? It was TLC was like, 2017. There you go. And it was going to be like Devitt against. Bray Wyatt or something for the up team. Yeah, yeah, it was AJ Styles. Rep- uh, somebody replaced. Yeah, AJ Styles replacing somebody else at the very last minute. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, not to discredit the other people in this this match, especially. Um, well, th- I mean, Minoru Tanaka. This wasn't really kind of a Minoru Tanaka style match, I think. But uh, mm. Milano really fit, fit in well here, and like um, you had P.T. Williams do do some very amazing athletic stuff, like slingshot. Karana to to Milan on the, on the floor uh, by Peter Williams there, um, yeah, and a lot, a lot of good stuff and and very sleek stuff and and it's always great to see Milan a collection. Um, you know, this was not too too long before um, he had his eye injury and, and was forced to retire. But um, yeah, it just kind of short and uh, ended with a lot of people getting their finishes and then you got the the stars clash to, to Milan a collection and and that was it. Um, but I mean, AJ Star, I, I don't know, PT Williams was kind of up and down, but you know, certainly think Styles and Christian had, hadn't been around TNA for that long at this point. Right. And like kind of with Christian and AJ Styles, like my image and not following TNA at this point, but my impression of them was that they were kind of like main event people. And yet you hear when you put them in Japan, they're like opening six man guys you know was that a little bit weird to you um 
I, I think uh, for some of these guys, you, you have to wonder maybe their, their stock in, in Japan perhaps versus maybe their stock in, in um, North America. Um, Christian, to me, I, I, I respected, uh, I think, his, his ability, his talent, but I never personally saw him on the level of a Kurt Angle or, um, you know, like you look at this show and it's the Steiner brothers that are in a bigger role than he is. So uh, to me, I, I don't think Christian really had that much cachet, you know, for, for that type of audience um i'm assuming you know i feel like if you're gonna put him on this show this seemed like a good uh as good of a role as any to essentially you know have him uh, as a leader of this uh, of this uh team it felt like just a note on uh sting he had actually not um been around tna yet and wasn't going to uh well he had uh sporadic appearances it looks like between uh uh uh, uh 2003 and 2004 but uh it wasn't until january uh let's see here uh sometime later in january when he proper properly debuted okay okay yeah that makes sense you know because i kind of think over the next couple of years it, it's slightly more of a diminished role for, for tna on these shows whereas like here this is like very much oh it's TNA versus New Japan like that's kind of like the real theme of this mm-hmm. show um, you know right down to like Jeff Jarrett being at ringside and, and all kinds of weird stuff yeah um, but we will delicately skate over the Abyss and Manabu Nakanishi which um, unless you want to talk about Abyss versus Manabu Nakanishi you know I didn't even that's get to see that, that match unfortunately oh. so uh, I don't know if it's available it is yeah it's out there it's out oh, there. it is. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, damn. You do, you do get the tease of Manabu Nakanishi maybe doing a bump on thumbtacks, but Ooh. yeah, but he he doesn't he doesn't go for it. <laughs> it's really interesting, I think, though, to see like this TNA talent on us on a, in an arena like yeah. this because mm-hmm. I believe up until this point this was probably the biggest crowd that you know um, that you can kind of call a, a TNA co-promoted show. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, more than yeah, more than likely. I, you know, I think so. I think so. Um, yes, was um, KG Muto because I mean, like Great Muto did a few odd and off appearances for for Impact. Did he not? Like probably around around this time. Uh, I'm gonna have to really do a bit of research. Um, certainly, I think he did sort of come in and out of of TNA, and uh, like one of the featured matches on this was was uh, Great Muta versus Hiroki Goto who um, the perennial now you know we will see Hiroki Goto sort of come up and up and up and be a nearly man and, and never quite do it and um, you know now sort of he's found himself I think in 2018 in, in that sort of never open weight championship kind of uh, level and, and that role on the show um, mm-hmm. but in 2008 uh, he was destined for, for really super huge things um, so yeah later on in this year um, he would be part of Shinsuke Nakamura's uh, unit uh, the, the group of, of Rise which was the, the real international super elite um, so kind of that doesn't really mean anything <laughs> like, no, it, 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 it means plenty uh, it's perfect yeah, really they yeah. were re- they were certainly human beings so I think you can probably call them real uh, <laughs> they were from different countries so yeah I mean international makes sense super elite is <laughs> debatable 
uh, is that, yeah, I mean, they were all good wrestlers, but I'm not sure whether you could call them the super elite, you know. Um, but there you go. That, that could be, don't tell Kenny, you know, it could be something better than the golden elite. As the, I buy uh, it. I buy super it. Elite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Hiroki Goto was, was set for a huge 2008. Because, I mean, later on in the year, he'd win the G1. Um, during in the midst of this whole like rise was fusing with Tokyo Makabe stable GBH and uh, in the middle of that uh, Goto wins the G1 so like he was set for like oh Hiroki Goto is going to be going to be the guy going to be the man and so this was to sort of send him into this year um, being beaten by the great Muta kind of one-sided you know (laughs) Like, yeah, you know, really. Uh, like, I mean, you know, Goto certainly had that mm, maybe upstart type of, uh, you know, uh, um, I don't know. Um, yeah, guy, guy on his way up uh, type of feeling about him in the match. But uh, he didn't really leave this match with that much of an impression with me. I mean, he just kind of felt like a generic body in there having a, a fantasy matchup um, with one of his idols getting beaten up by one of his idols. Yeah, um, I mean, there's some there's visuals to this that I really like. You know, I, I really like the entrance to this where they sort of meet each other on the ramp and there's a little standoff there. Um, and then a little bit later on, like Goto sort of charges and leaps off the apron towards Muto and Muto gets like the mist into his face. Um, there's some really sort of spectacular imagery going on with this match. But I think they were trying to... And actually, like, I don't know if you were able to see like the, the pre-match a hype video for this um but they they actually sort of recalls jin Shinzaki when when he came back um to to new japan after when he came back to japan after after running in in wwf and then that was like this this meeting of like two mystical characters and um great Muta then like you know beat the piss out of out of hikushi for like mm. a good 10 15 minutes and this was a similar thing. So Hiroki Goto had, had been away for a long time to excursion to Mexico. And so this was supposed to be his, his triumphant return. And, and just like Jin Seishinzaki, he sort of went after Great Muta. You know, he wouldn't come back until he could face um, Great Muta. Uh, he, was, he, he was Hiroki Goto um, coming in to face uh, a Great Muta that was um, guesting from all Japan. You know, he, he wasn't a, a New Japan regular or, or someone in New Japan all the time at, at this point in time um you know he but i mean great muto himself was set for another big year you know so he was gonna win the iwgp title later in the year um and really sort of play both sides where he was like a a main event guy and the president of all japan and doing main event shows in in new japan as well so he had like a, a really super crazy um time of it over the sort of 2008 and 2009 um but uh yeah I mean, the one thing about Goto that that really strikes, you know, me now watching Goto matches or, or watching how Goto's career has played out, the one moment that it's that's so Goto is like the end of this match where like Muta hits like three or four Shining Wizards and Goto kicks out right away and the announcers go absolutely mad and they lose their shit it's like it's not done it's not done it's still in it it's not finished and then like two seconds later he like moves all oh it's finished <laughs> you know that's like that's very Hiroki Goto but uh yeah yeah for me like I think my most of my focus is really placed on seeing this Muda character and how um 
you know, Keiji Mudo happens to play him just with such a great, uh, um, I think, emphasis on on body language, mm. you know, just that kind of really sla- snappy, flashy style. And um, I think making a real effort to have a distinction between this version of himself and his regular self that I feel like somebody like Finn Balor, who was actually ringside uh, or, uh, in this match, uh, I think is still trying to, you know, um, figure out with his demon gimmick here. But, you know, despite, I think, his age and, and body at this point, Muda still has enough charisma and great physical acting to, to be able to pull this off. He has enough signature spots to make this 15 minutes, minutes compelling. Uh, you do the miss, you do the dragon screws, and we even got a moonsault here. Yes, yeah, he wouldn't retire the moonsault until 2018, you know, and uh, that that was, I mean, to go back to Keiji Muto and, and Great Muto, that, that was another great thing about um, him doing two characters, was that he was able to retire the moonsault twice in 2018. <laughs> Brilliant, amazing. Um, he managed to sell sell out a Korokoin Hall, um, Wrestle One show, built around it was going to be the last time that he was going to do the moonsault so it was like keiji muto's last moonsault and that was the show right that's that was brilliant marketing right and so he does the moonsault and then literally like a week later he was doing great muto he was doing the great muto thing for for ddt and he did a moonsault oh man so well keiji muto retired it like great muto didn't you know yeah but uh, well, artificial knees. I don't think he's, he's going to be doing any any more mutants. Yeah, let's hope not. Let's hope not. At least, yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So the real sort of highlight, the the top billing in in the TNA versus New Japan end was uh, Yuji Nagata versus Kurt Angle um, for the not the IWGP Championship, the IWGP Third Belt Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in TNA speak, way was this presented as the idea? This is Kurt Angle is the IWGP champion, or was pretty always, much yeah, yeah. Okay. There's no, there's no, I, I feel like that whole situation is is way too complex. I think for you know somebody like a Mike Tenay or Don West to try to comment on. Although um, on this broadcast, this was pretty much the lone match that they aired in full on uh, Impact Wrestling's uh, Global Impact Special. Uh, that took the place of, it, of an episode of Impact that that particular week. Um, Tanay at some point did try to get into it, but didn't really elaborate on on the specific controversy. You do, you know, see a real difference, I think, between the North American presentation and the Japanese presentation when you see the press conference foot clips that led up to the the, the match itself, where it seems like a, a huge part of. The build-up to this match is, you know, all the stuff surrounding that belt. Uh, whereas in North America, Angle, anytime he came out with it, was just recognized as the IWGP champion. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, whether it was too complicated for the announcers or really just, like, what's the point of trying mm-hmm. to explain it to an American audience when, like, you know, it has no uh, real bearing, you know, on, on that on that show. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, certainly this was like the whole part of like the the promotion from the Japanese end was that uh, the Japanese wrestlers didn't recognize Kurt Angle as as the IWGP champion because um, really he kind of, he wasn't right effectively. Um, to recap, Brock Lesnar 
uh, storms out of New Japan in 2006, uh, mainly over money, um, and takes the IWGP, the physical title belt, with him, or or well, takes it with him, so to speak. Like he had it on him, and he never came back, basically. Um, so that meant that we had to have an, and I guess you could call it an interim champion uh, crown. So Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, wins a tournament. Um, becomes the IWGP champion, what's, what's recognized the IWGP champion, and they have to get like the second IWGP belt for, for him to hold. Um, so Brock Lesnar goes away for like a year and a half um, until Antonio Inoki can book Lesnar on an IGF show. And then by this point, New Japan are working with TNA. Well, we can get Kurt Angle over here. Well, that's great because we can put Kurt Angle in that match with Inoki and Brock Lesnar. And then Inoki gets a main event and we get to have a title back, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. So Kurt Angle gets the belt. And that's like the long way around to eventually we're going to unify these things. But um, in order to get to that point, um, we had Kurt Angle versus Yuji Nagata first, which was... um, I mean, like, now, I mean, with, with the benefit of hindsight on, on all sides, like, yeah, that, that was like a perfect match to, to create, and it, and it was a great match. Um, I wonder at the time how many people... I, I think the New Japan audience knew Kurt Angle to an extent, you know, because mm. of his WWE stuff, and I think probably they, they knew him far more than a TNA audience would know Yuji Nagata, you know, even though, you know, even with his WCW experience, you know, I don't think Yuji Nagata was, was a household name among TNA fans at this point in time. Right. Well, I wanted to ask you, like, what exactly was the reach of TNA itself in Japan at the time? I It was really, yeah, small to non-existent. I don't know what sort of TV situation they had. I know, like, years and years after this, like, towards the end of the spike period or maybe like a little bit after that um then they started showing it i think on g plus which is the same channel that as noah mm. um and right. then that was weird i remember watching a couple of those episodes and they do like they do the impact episode with subtitles and then before and afterwards they would have like a special like breakdown thing like it was called i can't i think it, it was something like let's study impact or let's study tna impact and wow it would be like people presenters and sometimes you know sometimes reasonably famous people in the world of independent wrestling um basically trying to understand and explain <laughs> what just happened i would love to have seen that show during the claire lynch saga or the aces <laughs> and eights all that stuff uh yeah. to see japanese people try to break that down because i had a tough time uh well that that makes a lot of sense because like you know all the promotion at least i'm looking at the poster for this wrestle kingdom show it's really more geared towards japan versus usa rather than mm. you know uh new japan versus tna yeah yeah and yeah i think like it, it wasn't just a, a wrestle kingdom thing you know i mean tna guys would would come over and, and go back and forth for a long time especially when there were sort of um like tours that were that lent themselves to that sort of thing so say something like best of the super juniors or like world tag league you know i think like beer money mm-hmm. did like beer money did a world tag league or something like that um and vice versa with the yeah. um world x cup 
with yeah. a, a bunch of New Japan talent coming over for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this would be a, probably right around the same time, right? That Naito would have been over, Yujiro would have been over, like, no, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, those, uh, in those situations. Tetsuya Naito um, would, uh, he, he wrote in his book about being not used very much in TNA. Um, and so he would, um, in his free time, go to, like, um, Bubba Ray Dudley's gym. Mm-hmm. And or you know or the Dudley Boys dojo or whatever they call it, and um, so he'd say he said in this but basically like we'd spar in the ring we'd have like little training matches and then we'd watch them back off afterwards and like Bubba Ray Dudley would talk about what we could I in he says it was I guess that Bubba Ray Dudley was trying to tell us what to do better but I had no idea what you were saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh boy. <laughs> Oh, love to be in that room. <laughs> right, Tetsuya Naito going, just blankly staring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that's, like, uh, yeah, they, I think um, David told this story as well of, like, him first coming to Japan from the LA dojo and, like, everybody else was on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, like, young young Lion Naito and David, like, alone in the dojo for, like, Oh, weeks. God. Just wow. like I don't not speaking any English and like David not speaking any Japanese, then just sort of looking at each other for like hours. Oh my god, wow. How uncomfortable. Well, I mean, these days I wonder how they would get along. I mean, um I I mean how, how is Naito's English? Because I know his, his Spanish is must be pretty good, right? I think his Spanish is is all right. Yeah, I think yeah. as well. Like he's gotten to. Yeah, I don't know actually how how good his Spanish is. I think um, I've spoken to yeah some some of our you know some bilingual fans that are like oh I had a conversation with with Naito in Spanish and and it was great. Um, so I think it's his conversational, but like him in like as Los Ingobernables de upon Naito, you know he could not speak any Spanish at all and he'd be all right. You know, it's like, yeah, Taki, yeah. it's like Takamichi no Kuzi English, you know, like basically yes, the yes. same level of like, he, he can get his, his catchphrases in. And um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think Naito's Spanish is good, but that's down to, I mean, he was in America for quite a long time and then went from there to Mexico and he hated America, but he really liked Mexico. It, it, you can definitely tell yeah. like just with, with his on-screen persona. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, anyway, straying from the point, but uh, Nagata and, and Angle, the, the actual match, um, really good. And something that years years hence, you know, Nagata, Nagata always calls Angle one of the best people is, is wrestled. And like uh, Angle calls you Nagata, Nagata one of the best people he's ever wrestled. So like uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, very sort of easy, easy chemistry. And, and I guess you'd, you'd kind of expect it from, from the two people. Absolutely. Like to me, this had a real, I think, dream match quality between it. If you're familiar with both talents and um, both of them just felt like counterparts to one another on both sides of the of the ocean. You know, it's just a very technical, fluid match. And it was full of, I think, great drama on the part of Nagata playing a great baby face here. So I really like the match. Certainly, I would say one of Angle's best matches after uh, post uh, WWE initial WWE run uh, that. You know, it might kind of get overlooked because uh, due to the lack of uh, exposure here in North America. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and you certainly have um, Kurt Angle at, at no point thinking, oh, I'm in Japan and less people are watching. I'm going to take it easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think that at all. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like the the top rope belly spelly is is uncomfortable, um, you know, and, and he's certainly like pulling out all the usual kind of angle stops in this. One. It certainly it certainly makes me wonder like what kind of run he might have had had Angle had a proper run in New Japan uh, at this time with like talent of this level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you we got sort of Kurt Angle versus Shinsuke, and and like that match, you know, a few months down the road is is um, also well worth well worth watching. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you think anybody around now, you know, if he, if he'd done more with Tanahashi, if he'd done something with Minoru Suzuki, you know, that that would be amazing. Oh yeah, uh, well, yeah. today even that would be amazing. Yeah, exactly today that they they could definitely do that and do it really well. Um, but uh, yeah, a lack and a last. So, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. to be. But uh, yeah, uh, really, really good stuff. And uh, then we sort of led into uh, before before we move on, Chris. I, I have to say the Global Impact special that I I watched oh, this yeah. match on was really good too because um, you know as I mentioned they they showed this match at, in as full of a of a way as they could. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, granted there were commercial breaks on Spike TV, so uh, you, I'm sure I, I saw a, you know they, they they cut out a lot probably during commercials, but the wraparound coverage was really good. A lot of behind the scenes footage of Angle and the other. TNA guys backstage in the Tokyo Dome, um, even like a cameo from Fat Ass Masa seeking autographs in 2008. Yeah. It was a uh, it, it, it was a very well done special. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, and they they did uh, what for the next sort of two three years, right? I mean, yeah, the, uh, the other Wrestle Kingdoms that they were part of. They did they do an entire special? Uh, I don't know if they did a whole show or it might have been just segments of the show. I'm really gonna have to dig back and in, into. Mm. A Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. But certainly, you know, it, it was like that that back and forth. And even when, like, less TNA guys were being used, Jeremy Borash was being used, like, an awful lot by New Japan, you know, it seems, over, over this, this period of time. And like, oh, we need a show with an English announcer. And, like, Jeremy Borash, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do it, you know. So, um, yeah. Um, yes, this, uh, it wasn't the, the IWGP third belt headlining though. It was the, the IWGP heavyweight championship, um, here and Shinsuke Nakamura against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, so kind of even now at this point in 2008, you're still sort of very well attuned to one another. Certainly, you know, rivalries that, that, that had sort of been in and out and, and their, their paths cross. Um, several times, and they'd they'd cross several times more. So, um, yeah, Hiroshi Tanahashi still very much on the the New Japan ends, and and he'd been a champion at this point. Um, but when he first sort of became champion, he was he wasn't aware of the fact that he was a bit of a dick, you know. And, and it took like it took him a year to figure out. And like, there's. Um, a really great book that is sadly only in, in Japanese and um but it's it's utterly, utterly tremendous. So it's it's one of the best wrestling books I I've read and so it was the best wrestling book I read last year and it's called um Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura in, in twenty eleven. Um which sounds very, very specific, but like it's actually um it details everything that you know the the their twin careers. Um, you know, from the start up until 
really kind of the start of 2018. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's really tremendous, but, um, yeah, there's a bit where it's sort of Tanahashi talks about, um, being kind of a, a heel through 2007 and him being really kind of frustrated at first with being, with getting booed. And it's like, I couldn't understand it, you know, and it, and it took a little bit of time to really make myself realize that, oh, I'm like this young guy and I'm, you know, I come across really arrogant when like I, I preen and I pose to the crowd, you know, and I say how much I love everybody that, that counts like, that sounds like a really dickish thing to do. And like, you know, he came to a sudden realization of, Oh God, I'm a heel. You know, like he didn't really, Mm. didn't, that didn't really twig on him until later on. So when at this point, you know, he's sort of had that, that formative, um, or he's in the middle of kind of this this formative program with with Yuji Nagata that that really was the the sort of perfect person to work with and really solidified him, you know, in the in this this interesting this interesting role where certainly he has his fans, but he's also uh, you know kind of a self absorbed ass, you know. Um, so he's an interesting figure, and and Shinsuke Nakamura as well is kind of like trying to find his charisma at this point, right? Certainly, yeah. I mean, he was still kind of doing relatively bland, you know, shooter gimmicks. Certainly, by uh, compared to today. Yeah, um, but and yet, it, it's kind of the the middle, the, another middle phase. You know, it, it was um, you know Shinsuke Nakamura. I think really didn't you you don't see that sort of king of strong style, king of strong style Nakamura until like twenty eleven until after he wins that G1 in, in 2011, that's when you sort of start to see that that character be in, you know, even after he'd started chaos, it was still kind of not quite, not quite there getting there, but like not quite there. Um, so this is kind of yet another generation of, of Nakamura, you know, removed from that. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting, you know, to, to look at Nakamura framed through this, this rivalry and framed through these, these Tokyo Dome matches, um, where this was, uh, I think the second that they'd had in Tokyo, and the first one was like main eventing in in two thousand and five, um, and that being um, that being a, a very sort of a very physical affair, and like a case of Tanahashi kind of um, taking a lot of of risks. Um, you know, I mean, you you don't see many Tanahashi Tope suicides. <clears throat> these days but like um you know he was busting it out in in 2005 um and here you know i think like tanahashi you feel like tanahashi stylistically has, has grown like he's not all that different in 2008 to, to 2018 do you think yeah really uh you know i i'll say the biggest difference is obviously him playing more of a heel here and more of an aggressor here compared to you know the uh amazing baby face that uh i think you often see him as today um but in terms of moveset i mean it, it seemed pretty much there uh, yeah 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 it's it's yeah and he definitely sort of focuses a lot on the the shoulder of, of nakamura here which was kind of um you know, I think they they told that story to to when Nakamura became number one contender, like he beat Makabe in like in in late two thousand seven, um, and that's what set this match up. You know, because this was um, long before um, the G one winner gets the the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. That didn't come in until like twenty twelve. Um, 
so they they sort of set up this this title match in in a different way here um but uh, yeah, I mean, you you get like the full Nelson slam, like the straight jacket German, like everything going on the on the shoulder there before before you, you start getting to the the high fly flows, and like it seems Nakamura is a little bit more uh, desperate and sort of yo know, you you see kind of like to to go to your point of him being a bit heelish, like Tanahashi baiting Nakamura in. So that Nakamura just like starts slapping at Tanahashi and then he swings too wildly. So like Tanahashi can get a German in, you know, um, it's, it's, it's all smart stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's not quite, it's interesting. Like I, you know, I think if, if you were being picky and, and ranking these, then I would put it somewhere near the middle of, of their, of near the lower end of the, of the matches that they had together sort of chemistry wise. Um, and like you know the 2005 match you know i think that first one is kind of like there's a lot of anticipation of 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 whether you know this is this is their first meeting together um whereas now like that's kind of that's kind of gone but at the same point it's not there isn't a sense that that something's culminating either so it's very much sort of in in the middle there for me yeah yeah i could totally see that i mean i thought i thought it was a very good match very good title match I guess um, it, I didn't enjoy it more than the uh, Kurt Angle Yuji Nagata match, um, and I think looking at it from 2018 eyes, it's it, it really like it's it's amazing. I think how much uh, like our uh, standards have really grown because I don't think this would have broken top ten of this year. I mean, for me, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's yeah that that's true. Um, and it's it probably speaks to yeah the, the the level of the quality of of that we have in ring now, um, and also I think the level that that people feel that they have to put themselves out these mm-hmm. days, um, and not just in terms of um, like how much they do, but in terms of time as well, you know, and that's something that um, you know there's there's a quote I got from Koto Ibushi in the book that in terms of just like the 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 time that the people feel that needs to be put in in order for for fans to think oh yes this is a wrestle kingdom main event you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's a reasonably recent thing you know and it, it was yeah i mean that that quote came from you know i asked him about um the nakamura match in in 2015 that ibushi had um and he was like well, yeah i mean like that was like 16 17 minutes long um and yet we you know we said everything that we needed to say in, in 17 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, whereas now I, there's some people or there's, there's certain wrestlers that, that kind of feel unless we're doing like 25, 30, 35, 40 minute matches, then, you know, we're going to shortchange the fans somehow. And I don't know where that, where that opinion or where that reaction comes from, whether that's something that wrestlers think that the fans want, or whether that's something that the fans actually are demanding, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's yeah it, it is interesting, and I think um, you know at, at WWE, I guess, is somewhat challenged. Maybe that that idea, uh, especially with like the the latest Brock Lesnar run, where uh, or like even the Bill Goldberg run, where you would have those main events last like uh, minutes, if not less than that. Uh, and often, at least um, at that time, 
for the most part, I think people left satisfied, but I think you can only do that so much. You know, uh, I think in 2018, wrestling fans want to see a good story told. And um, typically the best stories um, are told with a lot more time given to them. Um, but I, I do really like that quote, though, that you just mentioned from Kota Ibushi. You know, who am I the question? Uh, uh, you know, the artist, hey. Tell me a 40-minute story instead of a 15-minute story when I think we can all, like, look back at a match like that and have no complaints at all. Yeah, yeah. True, true. But uh, anyway, there, there was much, many, many more stories that Nakamura would tell and, and Tanahashi would tell over over the next few years. But, um, yeah, everything with this show basically led down to, to Nakamura being the champion. Then he sort of stares down Kurt Angle and... and um, there was your match for Ryo Goku in, in the spring. And finally, that IWGP title soccer. Um, mm-hmm. In credit, like two years. <laughs> two years it took. At the time, like, did, did you think it was a compelling story, or did you find, like, maybe a lot of the politics involved were just kind of, I don't know, this was just a way to tie all that up together on screen? Um, I think, like, ultimately, there was, um, you know, I think, first of all, like, the, the match was very attractive, like, Nakamura mm-hmm. and, and Kurt Angle, like, um, then, as now, you know, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a really attractive match to, to finish it off with, um, and so it was, it was kind of a, a hot main event, the, 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 getting it down to, okay, we're going to tie up this, this belt situation was, I, I, you know, I think really kind of secondary to it, you know? Right. Um, and there, there came a certain point where, you know, probably if negotiations had broken down and, and Inoki didn't want to have that, that Lesnar match for whatever reason, or Lesnar didn't want to work for Inoki, you know, at, at some point they would have just given up on it, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, I mean, they had another belt design in the works anyway after not that long. So, I mean, it, it was probably something where... It, ultimately you know it, it wasn't super super necessary um but i think it worked out uh as as well as it could have been you know in, in the end you know it worked out really really neatly that, that you managed to get that that big um sumo hall show with with angle and nakamura which i do recommend checking out unfortunately not on new japan world um because like uh, angle isn't on new japan world but um you can uh, find uh, other means um to to, to watch mm. that match. it's well worth checking out yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I, I, I like the show actually quite a bit. I thought it ages really well, uh, considering that it's been 10 years since the show took place. You do, for me, I was actually quite surprised at how much it felt like a modern New Japan Tokyo Dome show in that it featured a whole lot of international talent. Uh, you know, a poster semi-main event, main event star in Kurt Angle being advertised as one of the big things, very similar to, I think, how you, you know, in recent uh, Wrestle Kingdoms, you would see somebody like a Chris Jericho uh, be on, on, on a poster like that so um it felt like a very international show and and almost a glimpse into maybe the international expansion that the company would have uh, over the next decade yeah sure you're right and i it it's what separates it though from from them from now is like the the reason and the way those international talents were were used you know because right. um, mm. you know in the in this such a situation it's another company's international talents um where from a new japan perspective it's like yeah part of it is 
um, hey, this is an international show, but it's selling it as an international show to Japanese fans, right? Right, yes, Whereas yes. Now the international guys are New Japan's international guys, or they're as good as New Japan's international guys. And it very much is legitimately, you know, New Japan as a product in itself, um, you know, that, that is becoming international or that is already international or however you want to you want to see it um it's so, a bigger brand here than than impact is right now well, that's for yeah, sure well there you go it's uh yeah appropriately enough yeah yeah, yeah. all right well uh thanks way for for hopping on um before we hop on uh out of here um this episode as it happens um, it will probably be up on, on post wrestling in not too long, actually. <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks from now. Um, so, uh, what's, what's going on over, over your guys end? Well, obviously every Saturday, uh, you know, for people that are listening to this on, uh, as part of your Indiegogo, they will already have access to all the other shows. But, uh, uh, if you are just tuning into this on post wrestling, uh, be sure to check out eggshells every Saturday, Every Saturday morning, all the way up until Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, um, maybe even a little past that, where uh, we're pretty much like, what is this, the halfway mark or just past the halfway mark? Two thirds. Yeah, two thirds. Wow, already. Two-thirds. So, like, yeah, Very this fast. is twenty episode twenty out of thirty or thirty one, and um, yeah, I've recorded so like the Indigo go back as well. I have everything up to I think twenty four or twenty five at this point. Okay. Um, wow. Amazing. So, uh, so if I'm if my schedule is correct, I mean I think this is in the middle. Uh, this is the beginning of November, which means that uh, uh, also in our uh, Patreon feed, uh, post wrestling is Patreon supported. So if you go to Patreon.com/slash post wrestling or postwrestlingcafe.com, you can find some exclusive podcasts. One of which might include our New Japan Power Struggle review. That's probably up right about now, mm. and then late. There you go. And later, maybe, maybe, uh, are you, I guess you can't say if you're doing anything for, for that at the moment. But. Uh, no, I'm not doing Power Struggle. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I have okay. other commitments. I was, um, I, I have just done <laughs> the, uh, the Corcoran Hall show. Ooh. Um, on the, on the 27th. With, wonderful. Uh, wonderful. Yes. And also, uh, we have a UFC 230 review coming up with John Pollock uh, either this week, to, tonight, or tomorrow. Uh, and of course, our WWE Crown Jewel coverage from the past day, if that show is still happening as of this oh, okay. time, <laughs> um, uh, would have taken place uh, last night as well. Excellent. Um, all right. Of course, you can get eggshells pro wrestling in the Tokyo Dome um, uh, from Amazon, or you can reach out directly to me at Reason JP. Next time, we'll be looking at 2009, and joining me for that one uh, from the Voice of Wrestling Network, their uh, Super J Cast uh, podcast. We're going to be having Joel Abraham uh, on the line there. No relation to Damien. So two Abrahams on on one podcast. Um, And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. and, And we'll chat to you again next time. Goodbye.